everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Steel Clay Podcast, where we are two vessels of clay working out the heavyweights of life. We want to thank you for joining us this evening. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, sister. Hey, mama. Can you hear me? We are into it. I can hear you well. All right. I had to find my uh, AirPods because I couldn't find my then now I found both the girls just you know just just all over the place today. Mm-hmm. All right now. Well, I guess I should I, pray. I say let's get on with the get on. All right, well, let's get into it. Father, we bless you, God. We give you glory, God. We give you honor. Father, we give you praise, God. We know that it is with you, Father, that we live and move and have our being, God. We thank you, Father, for just being with us, God. Give us the words to say on today, Father. Let something be said, God, that would stick with your people, God, that would change their lives, God, that would open their eyes. Let them hear something different, Father, from what they've heard before, God. But let it be true, Father, and pure and holy, Father, from your word, Father. We thank you, God. God, for your Holy Spirit, God, as he makes all things new within us, Father, continuously. We thank you. We thank you. And we thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue the discussion from last week. Um, we were uh, talking about the the birthmark by Nathaniel Hawthorne mm-hmm. and the different the different central ideas that we pulled out of there. So the ones that we're going to um capture on tonight well i want to go back to the part where his wife has started disliking her birthmark because of him and she had took the poison for him and i Mm -hmm. just want to you know go back to that part because it was her love for him that he used to make her first dislike the mark just as much as he did and then secondly take the potion which ended in her death and so um the four the three points that were remaining is four that's remaining one i want i want to be its own podcast for next week which is the inability of walking away from unhealthy bonds and i want i want to save that for its own that's its own situation so we're going to save that that's going to be part three that's going to be the last part i believe in my spirit that's going to be the last part but we're going to talk about the pressures from loved ones to change you in order to receive love and acceptance from them allowing opinions to change you and killing people with love we use love as a weapon and so one of the things that i when i was studying this a little bit more um I kept rereading Romans 14, 13 through 23. Mm-hmm. I, you know, of course, I read the full one, but I just kept rereading 13 through 23. So this is where we want to contain our focus on today. We want to contain it on Romans 14, 13 through 23. And I had a question for you. Okay. When you when you change or you uh, let allow someone to infiltrate your confidence and your peace and your settlements within yourself for them to be happy with you, is it selfless love or deception through manipulation? That's definitely deception through manipulation. 
Okay. That's that's not okay. self that's not selfless love. Because selfless love says that I'm that I'm going to be that the best version and the healthiest version that God desires for me to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you put man into it, it automatically becomes something different. Mm-hmm. Okay, well let's let's park here on selfless love for a little minute. Let's okay. park on selfless love. So one of the scriptures, I have two, one of the scriptures that I went and I feel like most people in the church and most people that, you know, know the scriptures and use it as a weapon, mm-hmm. I feel like they go to these two, maybe a few more others. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, Proverbs 18 and 22. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, for me, I've seen people use that as a way to get people to feel like they need to do something for them or they have to do something for them in order for them to be that friend, to be that brother. You have gotten, do you, you have a sibling, you have, you have a sibling and and I have several siblings, but I not so much heard this from my siblings, but I've heard it from family members what you we we supposed to be family we we supposed to be family and and family sticks together and family does this and family covers and family okay so you know, so hear that though because that's that's key mm-hmm. that's important because people only say those type of things when you're unwilling to cover up their sin or their uh errors that's it that's the only time people say that I was just about to say, but the only time I heard this being said is when they've committed a crime or when they've done mm-hmm. something that they know they shouldn't have done and they want you mm-hmm. to, you know, pretty much lie to the authorities or or cover for them and say you were with them while they were out committing a robbery or whatever they were doing mm-hmm. and, you know, place yourself in the middle now of an investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always thought that that was... I, I was manipulated. I, I will say that we we only selfless love here. Um, but I will say for the longest, for me, I know for me, um, one of my NCOs had to tell me when I was in the military, you cannot carry the weight of your family on your small shoulders. At all. You can't do it. You know, they call, they need help, you running. Like you're giving of yourself to the point where you have nothing else to give them. And when they've tapped when they've reached the bottom of your barrel it's like you're in the military you're supposed to go you you got resources go get it go get it alone go do this and go do that because i need this and and I, my existence then if you don't do this you don't love me and we supposed to be family I, I legit heard that like heard that and it was and it bothered me because i felt like that's my family and I'm supposed to be doing this for them. That's my, that's my mom. That's my, you know, that's my, you know, that's my person. And I'm supposed to be doing this because I'm family. And then the other scripture is greater love has no man than this than to lay down his one, his, his one's life for his friends. John 15 and 13, Jesus was speaking here. But Jesus was talking about him laying down his life. And I told you, I wasn't raised in the church per se, like to have a relationship with God, mm-hmm. but I went to church and I've seen people use the Bible. My uncle will get drunk and he will quote Genesis to Revelations like 
without none stop like he legit knew the bible from genesis to revelation and at the end of his ramblings he'll be like my god is good won't you come go with me and then you know as we were kids it was funny oh my god uncle can get he gets drunk and he can quote the bible from genesis to revelation and but once we got older like boo you going to hell Mm -hmm. you know like we they know the bible my they know the word and will throw it at you in a minute and then don't say that you're saved because once you get to know the Lord, they really will amp up their uh, weapon of, you know, the word on you. But the Bible says this, and if you don't do this, you're supposed to do this. And that's what this meant. And, you know, for the longest, I was trapped in that cycle of my, you know, people in my family was like, you supposed to, you supposed to do this. This is what you're supposed to do. And I just thought that that was supposed, that was selfless love. That was my, that was my interpretation of selfless love. But selfless love includes, it includes righteousness. Like if you look at the way that God loves us, it includes righteousness. It's not a part from righteousness. So there's no way that I can love you selflessly and not include righteousness or holiness in what it is that I'm doing. So if you're asking me to do something that's wrong or it's a sin or it's against my own conscience, which is still a sin, then that doesn't make that selfless love. Again, like anything that leaves out God is not, you start talking about man, then you're not, you're not talking about God anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and people do things under, you know, the guise of what we claim to be selfless love. But this is what I found about families. Because our families um, appear to know the, say the word or appear to be able to quote scripture, we as people want to give them a pass. um, And we want to say, well, that's my family. You know, they got struggles or whatever, but they know the Lord. No, the word says that you're supposed to be not only a hearer, but a doer also of the word. And so we will take those people's opinions, people who don't live it right, who don't want to live it right, have their too many skeletons in their own closet, have never even stopped to sweep around their own front porch. And we will take their opinions and thoughts and we will make them uh, judgments against ourselves and then change ourselves to match whatever judgments are being cast upon us. And that is not love. It's almost like an abuse of power. It is an abuse of power. Because I'm thinking back to the story. He was a scientist. And it didn't say what occupation she had. But the book was, the story was written back in the 1800s, I suppose, early 1900s, where women did not have a stake outside the home. They didn't have anything outside the home to stake as their own and to make claim. And they were essentially property of their husbands. And so... For him as a scientist to say, you don't trust me, you don't believe me, you don't love me, um, for you to do this for me and to use that, it's taking that authority and abusing it in a way to make me feel better about myself. And that's what I was, you know, I'm very book smart. I I love to read. I'm very book smart, but I, and I don't lack common sense in 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 the area of which you would say everyday common sense, but to be wise, to be conned. When it comes to conning me, back then, you could have got me. You know, especially with stuff like that. But you got to think about it. I was a little girl that was starved for love. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't hear I love you. I didn't get hugs. You didn't, you, you know, you don't, those are the words that did not come out of, you know, my people's mouth on a regular. Love was a, was something to be used to get what you want. Now I see, you know, now I'm older and I, and I'm a little wiser in the, in their con. Um, I noticed that love is something they use to get what they want, whether it's sex, money, Whatever it is, love is always thrown around. Oh, they have no problem saying love you and um, whatever, you know, adoration they can say to you to get what they want. But on a regular basis of, you know, you and I will get off the phone and say, I love you to each other. And I'll, you know, I'll say I love you to people. And I, I, I remember I told one of my students, I said, well, okay, I see you guys say it. I love you guys. And a little boy told me, he said, you, you can't, how you love us? You don't even know us. I said, I have to know you to love you. And he, he looked at me like, and so I had got my kids used to the idea of saying, I love you to me. And then they thought it was foreign. They was like, we don't hear those words and giving them hugs. And I know teachers are not supposed to hug their students and stuff, but I was a, I was a child that was starved of that love and affection. And so when you, when you say stuff to me, like you don't love me if you don't do this and I feel, okay, I got to do this. Cause I, I you know, I got to do this. That, so they know I love them. That's where my mindset was at. I didn't, I didn't even think that I was being manipulated through deception mm. that, you know, to say, wait a minute, you're crazy. No. No. And when I did start saying no, um, I remember, I remember I told my mom no and gotten into the church. And um, I, when I was in basic, I was in basic, you know, in basic, you don't spend your money. You, you know, and I had a bank account before I went to the military because I worked. I worked at the McDonald's. I worked at the town hall as a financial clerk. I worked at the post office on the weekends. So I had a bank account before I even got to the military. So I had a little money in my account. Um, knowing I was going to the military, saving up, thinking I had to go and buy all this other stuff, but not knowing that when I got there, they issue you a uniform. They issue mm -hmm. you this stuff. So I'm in the, so I'm basically training and um, I get no phone calls. I don't get anybody to write me, but you, I don't want to be the soldier that's there with no parents. Nobody's there on graduation day. So I was like, finally got a hold of my mom, like, hey, come up here. I really need you to, you know, I wonder what you'd be at graduation. I don't have no money. And else we to come up there, I need money. So I wrote her a check for $1,600. No, you didn't. I don't think I've ever heard this story before. $1,600. Wrote her a check for $1,600. And I was at Fort Lindenwood, Missouri. And of course, from Orlando, Florida, that's. You know, she's going to drive. She doesn't fly, so she's going to drive. So I wrote a check for $1,500. Um, any for, you know, incidentals, accidentals, all of that. And she was like, well, I'm, I'm going to get your aunt to ride with me. Okay, I don't care. As long as you be here, be here by this date. So when she got there, I knew my aunt was coming. Did not know my brother was coming. So I'm so excited. My brother is there. So we took pictures on the steps and all of that. And and she's like, I need more money. I, I got to make it back home. It cost me this much and it cost me that. And I'm like, okay. So gave her another $800. Went to the ATM, gave her another $800. So gave another $800. She, she's all happy now. But the, while they were there, you know, of course, I'm buying the food. I'm doing the entertainment, you know, not knowing. So they leave and come back. And I go to Fort Jackson. I get to Fort Jackson. She calls me. Oh, 
your grandma just put me out. I need some money for rent. I need uh first and last month. I need security deposit and first month rent. I'm like, well, how much is that? Oh, it's about a thousand dollars. And I'm like, I don't really got it. Yes, you do. Oh my God, you gonna let me be on the streets and you know I'm your mother and all of that. So gave it a thousand dollars, right? I can't keep doing this, Ma. I gotta build up my account for myself, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't. I won't ask you again. But you know, you know, mm. it kept coming, right? Years later, years later, me, my brother and I, we sitting on the back of the, we sitting on the back of the one a truck or something, his truck, and we just sitting there talking, and and he was like, um, I don't know how the subject of money and mom came up, and he was like, yeah, she go through money, like I don't know what she got. See, I think your mom on drugs. I said, what do you mean? He was like, you remember that time we, you know, we came to your um graduation at basic, and I was like, yeah. He was like, I paid for the whole trip. No, I think for that whole sister, trip. No, no, hotel, no. gas. I rented the car. I did all of that. I said no. She came to me, said she didn't have any money, and she, you wanted her to come up there. She really wanted to go, and and of course, you know, my little sister graduated from basic training. I'm coming, you know. He said I was coming too, so I was like, shoot, I, I just rent us a car, and I she was like, all right. And I sat there and I said, no, sir. He was like, yeah, I did all of that. And he, I said, and she told you she didn't have no money. He said, yeah. I said, I wrote her a check for $1,500. He said, what? And I said, yeah. I said, and I went to the ATM and gave her another $800 because she claimed she had to spend. He said, she spent nothing. Wow. She said, he said, you notice if you wasn't spending money, I was spending money. I said, yeah. I said, but I, you know, I was just happy that she came and I really, I saw it, but I didn't really see it. He was like, no. And I said, well, then she called me when I got to AIT and I said, she claimed grandmother was putting her out. And he said, I got that same phone call. And I said, well, she got me 4000 He said, she got me 4000 Oh, my God. So me and him started putting two and three. And so now we're going down. Okay. We, you know, this date. So now he and I are going down the list and we're like, Oh my God, she's been really using this mother. You don't love me. And in a little background on my brother and I, he we have different dads. And she pretty much that's she he's her favorite. That's her favorite. Oh, every day of the week. There's no day of the week that I'm the favorite. That's her favorite. So um his dad is a little more white, and my dad is dark. So I have brothers and sisters on my dad's side and he has brothers and sisters on his dad's side, but we were raised together in my mom's house. So we start going back and forth about different things and she pitted us, she would pit us against each other growing up. You know, she wanted us to take care of each other, but when it came down to her, she would pit us against each other. It was like, take care of your sister, take care of your brother, but when it came down to what she wanted and whatever she was doing, we started to realize she would divide and conquer us. So we're going down a list and we're going down to different things and and we're we're finding out that a lot of times that she would call me, she was actually calling him as well. And so she was getting double, she was, you know, not only getting a thousand, we were getting two thousand. So where's all this money going to? Because mind you, she never moved out of my grandmother's house. Wow. To my grandmother. So she got a thousand from both of you guys <laughs> and then still didn't move. Talk talked to my grandmother. My grandma said I never told her she had to leave. She said I told her 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 people had to leave. She could stay. You know, my mom was gay, so she would bring, when she would move in, my grandmother, she would bring her 
girlfriend and all their kids and stuff. And, and she said, no, I told her they had to go. She didn't have to go. So it was one of those things. I'm like, wow. So now we're putting, like I said, we're putting two and two together. And so we both said, no more. We're not doing it no more. And so I remember right after he and I had that conversation, I came back up to Georgia. I was getting ready to go to Korea. And he was getting ready to go to prison. He had been fighting his case. I think it was been 40 years for him. And um, that was like one of our conversations we had before he, we both had to go, I was to go to Korea and he was to go to prison, but um, they ended up giving him four years, thank God. But um, so I come back up to Georgia and she calls me and she gives me another sad, sad story. Now I'm in the church and I'm, you know, prospering. I'm trying to, you know, I'm clearing up the credit card debts. I'm building my bank accounts back up. I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff positive, doing it the way God did. Because um, before you came, we was in the old building. Um, before you joined the church, mm-hmm. we were in the old building. And I remember they did a financial literacy Bible study. I love those type of Bible studies where they not only just talk about the Bible, they give you practical living, like those practical living Bible studies. So they did like a financial literacy Bible study that night. One night and I, you know, it put me on the road. The guy who did it helped me map out some stuff, put me on the road, clearing up debt and all that. Because coming from where I came from, if you got it, spend it. You don't know if you're going to live the next day, right? So she called me, gave me another sad story. And I told her no. I told her no. I'm not giving it to you. Uh, you have to find that must have been tough it. to say. I was called every... Baby, I was called everything but the name she gave me. Told me I want her daughter. She disowned me. Don't talk to her tomorrow. Don't call her. If I couldn't give her the money... You know, I was dead to her, all of that. And it broke me. It seriously broke me. It really did. It broke me because I'm like, that was hard. That was hard for me to hear. It was hard for me to do. And it was just hard for me to go through. Thank God, you know, God had somebody, a ram in a bush to mother me through that moment, those moments. But that right there, that was hard. You talking about years of manipulating me deceiving me and now my eyes are open I'm saying no I'm saying no and the pushback and the retaliation was swift and deadly it was almost like this guy in the story the scientist you don't love me you don't trust me you you my you you know it was you're dead to me don't talk to me you're disowned you're not even my daughter I don't know who you are you get all your money to the church and I mean just Everything I was every negative thing that she could say back then, she was a real bad cusser. Mm-hmm. So you already know the words that was coming out. And so I said, Well, Tangela, you don't have to go through this. You cannot if you if you bend on this, you're gonna mm-hmm. be doing this for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, you're gonna be doing this. So I said no, went on a career, and um that was hard. That was hard leaving all that I knew behind in America, not, you know, um, leaving all that I knew behind in America and not having any support nowhere. Because now I had this brand new car that I needed to leave with somebody. I couldn't leave it with her. You know, it was just mm-hmm. so much I was going through. And and I just said, God, I just what is this? You know, what is this? And so God began to show me, you know, that love does love is not what to say first mm-hmm. was it first corinthians mm-hmm. 13 1 through 8 1 through 8 he began to tell me what love really is 
and you know you read it but you don't you know how you hear a song on the radio and you're like I don't really like that song but then you go through something and then you hear the song again and it talks or it goes Mm -hmm. it speaks to right where you're at and then it becomes your anthem that's how it was with that's how it was with the scripture it was like I've read the scripture before I've heard pastor teach on it pastors and many other pastors teach on it but it didn't become an anthem it didn't become something I grabbed and held on to until that moment until that moment first Corinthians 13 1 through 8 was his team just showing me what love is and what love does and what love mm-hmm. doesn't like love is not boastful <laughs> you know and I'm sitting here going but this hurts because she's supposed to be my mother. Like she's supposed to be the person that nurtures and take care of me. Just like this is supposed to be this lady's husband who's supposed to love her. She's perfect, except she got this one beauty mark that he doesn't like. But instead of him looking at the 98% of her that is perfect, he's looking at that 1% of thing that is not perfect. And it's not her. It's not her. And but when you're in that, when you're in those type of relationships where people are using love as a weapon, they're using your love as a weapon, your connection with them as a weapon, they project yes. their insecurities and project mm-hmm. their things onto you to make you feel like you're less than and you need them. Like I'm your like, I'm your mother. This is what you're supposed to do for me. Not knowing the me not understanding that the Bible said you're supposed to lay mm-hmm. up treasures for your children's children. And so when I talk to my parents and it's I'm oh, he's gonna be a basketball player and buy me a house. I said, No, 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 mom, that's not the way it should be. He shouldn't have to be carrying the burden that something that you this is you if you need a house, you get your own house. Or, you know, if he buy you one out of a out of appreciation, that's fine. He shouldn't have right. to do it out of necessity. Or the fact that you his mom. And when my son used to say that to me, I used to always stop him. No, you're not buying mommy a house. Mommy gonna have her own house. And you buy me a Chanel bag, you know, stuff like that. I'll, you know. But as far as I'm going to leave a legacy for you, not you have to you have to come back and you know take away from what you're doing to make sure that I'm okay. And I understand the mindset of people who does that, who do that for their families and who do that for their parents. I understand that mindset of I want to I just want to show my appreciation. But if you if I make it so you have to do something for me, Mm -hmm. that's not doing it out of appreciation. That's doing it out of, Mm -hmm. you know, some backwards, twisted, twisted love. And you got to love to love. You have to move in love and act in love. And so if I love my son and if I love, you know, the legacy that I want, that I want him to have, I have to do it for him, That's not good. him do it for me. So, so can I, can I make a and caveat so, right there before so you go on? Because speaking, that don't only uh-huh. apply to your son. Go that applies ahead. to all of us in all of our relationships. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with a gentleman today and he was talking about how it's hard to be, um, it's hard to be real in today's society because people are so judgmental in this, that, and the other. And I told him, I said, the bottom line for me is that I put personal responsibility on everybody to do their own healing. And if you allow other people's judgments to then t- turn mm. around and change you or make you react in a different type of way, the issue is not with those other people. Is with you. We all need personal accountability. We are looking to everyone else to be what we want to see instead of being us being what we want to see. And you I mean, but that's real though. It, it starts within. It starts because you're going to attract what you are. 
that that that's what that is. So if you're jacked up, mm-hmm. you're going to keep attracting jacked up stuff because you haven't dealt with yourself. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to throw that, that caveat in there because I don't want anybody to think I mean, it's just about their kids because it ain't. This is any relationship, any man, any woman, it's any not. any mother, any father. This is any relationship. That's right. If you want to bring change Husband, to the relationship, wife, start with yourself. Start with yourself. And so the deception through manipulation, I, the two scriptures, well, one is a scripture, the other one is an actual story. Um, the first scripture mm-hmm. was, we have to go back to the garden. We have to go back to the garden. And, and when the serpent told Eve, he said, uh, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And right. I heard, and the way I said it is indeed. the way I heard it. Did he really say that? Indeed. Did God really Are you sure? tell you? Did he really tell you not eat of, of every every tree in the garden? That's how I heard it. And so you can imagine how she was like, well, they do look good. Because they say she saw the fruit and it looked good. What you mean you saw it? Maybe you've been seeing that fruit the whole time. But this is what deception through manipulation does. So I manipulate the word. See, when I say when I said it the way I said it, it make you think, wait a minute. Did God really say every tree? You talking about every tree? He didn't change the words of what God said. He mm-hmm. just manipulated yes, the feelings of the words. To way she looked at that I tree so differently than before. That that feeling that he didn't change the feeling. He added a feeling. He added a feeling of doubt, of doubt. So did she begin right. to doubt what God actually said? Mm-hmm. The words didn't change. It mm-hmm. was the way he added that feeling of mm-hmm. doubt. That 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 really mm-hmm. did he really do like for real? And so. That's how a lot of people are deceived through manipulating the words and manipulating mm-hmm. the emotions behind the words. Because again, he didn't change the word. He manipulated the emotion and he manipulated the the, mm-hmm. the feeling of the words that he said. Because God word was with his word. Just like he tried Jesus in the mm-hmm. garden, not the and garden, Jesus on the 40 day fast. You know, in the wilderness he tried him you know he didn't change the word he just tried to manipulate the feeling behind the word and then the other one that and I, you know this is my favorite story I don't know why <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible I love that story the old prophet and the new prophet yes ma'am first king 13 God say go tell the king told the prophet the new prophet the young prophet go tell the king xyz and on your way back, don't eat nothing. Don't drink nothing in that city. Mm-hmm. Don't come back the way you went. Go another route. But then the old prophet, his sons, was in the court of the king when he did, when the prophet, the young prophet, spoke to the king and say, "Hey, this is what God is saying." Boom, 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 boom. And it was true, and it was right in the eyes of the people. They run back and tell their father, "Oh, that was this prophet. He spoke to the king. He said, where he at now?'" He said, "Oh, he left." You know, going, you know, the back road with Sadamil Donkey and, you know, get me this. And so he gets there and he persuades, he uses, um, he uses that, that, that old prophet. Well, I'm a prophet too. Uh-oh. And the Lord saying, you know what that was? Said, that was. For you to come back with me. That was the God God. <laughs> Pull that joke out. It trumps every other God. I just, boom. <laughs> boom. <laughs> 
I am a prophet too. And he told me, you know, because he told him, did God say, nope, I'm not to go back, I'm not to eat the drink, I got to go. He said, well, I'm a prophet too. Oh, so you're a, I'm a prophet too. And he told me to tell you to come back and eat with me. So he goes back. He's like, all right, cool. So he goes back and he eat. And the moment he eat, the old prophet, which is the false prophet, said, God, that's when God began to really speak through him and say, you ignore what I told you, my words, um, paraphrasing, you ignore what I told you, so now you're going to die. And so he, the young prophet get up and leave, and he's uh, met, he met his fate on the road. And the thing about this story that really stuck mm-hmm. out to me was that was a lion? Uh, what was the uh, other animal? A donkey. Yeah. Um, no, it was something that a lion know, usually look eats. It up. They both stood guard. Let me look over it up. His, they both stood guard over Since his we're sitting here talking about it, because I remember the story, but now that you didn't shock you to me, I can't even remember. First Kings chapter 13. Was it? It was a donkey. No, he was riding a donkey. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He's riding a donkey. It was a donkey. His body lay there on the road with the donkey and a lion standing beside it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that yeah. always fascinated me that they stood guard. And I was yeah. like, the lion and the donkey. And I know that means something, God. I know that it's symbolic for well, something. Whenever you see Tell me about a it. lion and a donkey in scripture, they're usually referencing uh, Christ. Uh, like Christ rode in on a donkey. Christ is the lion of Judah. Mm-hmm. You know, lion and donkey. And so I don't know if that's the truth, but that's how it usually is in scripture. That's what I, I felt like. Like, okay, so God in his I felt like it was God in his many forms because he is the lion of, you know, he's the lion of Judah. And then I felt like the donkey was mm-hmm. could have several meanings, you know, because not, you know, people call donkey an ass. And, you know, you make an ass to you when you don't follow his word. But you know that's just me playing on you know what you what you said. But I really didn't. I don't, I'm not solidified in what the sim- symbolism means. But for me, I played around with it and you know with the different meanings from the Bible. And as you say, he rode in on the donkey. He you know he is the line of doing. I did that as well. So I thought that was I thought that this story, the deception through manipulation, he manipulated him through the fact that hey, I'm a prophet too. Mm-hmm. The Lord told me to tell you. And it's like, you have to be sure. You have to be without of a doubt sure of what God is telling you and know that he is not schizophrenic. Uh, he's not a schizophrenic God that he would change his mind. You know, um, he would not change his mind that quickly. I, I, it was <laughs> this pastor. She, she, she has a church here and she's a teacher as well what she was and she came back and you know she was an old school teacher and then this new this new technology stuff you know she really couldn't handle but when she came to the school she said god told me to come here god told me to come here and i have a mission and i would this that and she Mm -hmm. would try to absurd the principal like she would try to take over the meetings and you know you just you were just a teacher and if god sent you here you need to be quiet and get your mission and so you know she really can really tell you what God sent her to do, but she has that takeover. I'm in charge spirit, but you're not the principal. 
So school starts in August. By November, she had been told the people that God okay. told her. Well, you just got there. Well, you you done already with what the Lord said? Because it took Moses over forty we years. Do. I'm trying to I'm trying to understand. <laughs> we are even. We haven't even got finished with the first semester, baby. We 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 barely in the second quarter of the first semester. Now God has told you to leave, and so she didn't tell me. And mind you, I knew her. My my family group. She grew up around the corner from my family, and they've always said she's always been a little, you know, lean more to the lie side of the truth. And so, um, so everybody was like, "Let me play you. Did you know that?" You know, such and such is leaving. I said, she's leaving? I said, no, God told her to be here. She has a mission. <laughs> God, he changed not that quick. And so when she finally did come to me, she was going to leave right at like the Thanksgiving break or one of the breaks. I think we was coming up on Thanksgiving break. She finally came to me and she was like, I wanted you to be last that I tell that I was leaving. Ma'am, I didn't find out you were leaving the day you said, you, whoever you told on day one, they told me by that afternoon, I already knew. And she was like, well, you know, it's time for me to move on and this, that, and third. So she moves on to uh, uh, one of the vendors of the school, which makes like, they were making like 20,000, 15, maybe 10 to 15,000 more than what she was making at the school. It's always been about money. I, I knew it was about money. And why, and why did you do that? that? I was dumb. Um, why did I do that? Because went to her church, she's a pastor, and she uh, she doesn't know that the you know I I I'm, I'm, I live the Bible like I play around a lot but I don't play by God that's my right. that's my that's my life it's not my job but it's oh, my life you know I know because if it was, you know what I'm saying so it's my life to do with God okay so went to her church and I just began to see different things and I and I and then first of all like I said I knew it was about money all the time I knew the backstory but when I went to her church and saw the different spirits and the um, she had a lot of homosexual married men around her, those type. And she, the way she was moving and grooving. And I knew her. Like I said, I told you, I knew her. My family, she grew up with my mom there. Uh, I knew some personal things that had I not been wise in God and been one of those silly women, baby, I would have told it all. I'm like, oh, she, you know, this, this, that. Mm. So she portrayed herself as one thing to the people. And one thing that you and I have always been conscious of is the people. I can expose the spirit, but the fallout for the people will be greater if I just let her sit here and think I'm dumb. So, you know, for those of you that are listening, you can, just because love is having the nuke button, but never pushing it. But having the destroy Mm -hmm. button, but never destroying the person. You can't tell right. me you love me and you're constantly hitting that destroy button and you love God and you know you and you say, how can you love your brother? You don't love your brother whom you see every day, but you love God whom you've never seen. Love is knowing you can destroy somebody, but never destroying them. So that's why I allowed her to just let her just let her be. So she um, so she left. She left, and then by the end of the school year, they told us they had a packet. It was going to be like a packet for the next school year. They was trying something out. You're going to get twenty thousand. You're going to get your base pay, whatever your base mm. pay is, plus twenty thousand dollars extra for the first year. 
you stay there the next year, you get another, you get the 5,000 added on. You stay there the third year, you get the 30,000. Well, guess who was trying to come back by the end of the school year? Mm-hmm. For the next school year. Again? So God changed his mind in a span of 100, 180 days. That is how long we are in. That is the cap. The calendar days for school is 180 days. Day one, God called you to be there. You dare, you there. I would say about day 30, day 36, he told you to leave. Around about 100 and I say, I want to say about 30 to 140, the 130 to 40 day, we found out that they were going to introduce this packet to certain schools and our school was one of them. Your name is all of a sudden, your name is back in the head of, oh, now he's coming, you're coming back. So in a span of 180 days, that's a calendar year, God has changed his mind about your assignment. God is not that schizophrenic. Like you say, it took Moses that long. It took the children of Israel a 40-day trip turned mm-hmm. into 40 years because of their sin and their groaning and complaining and stuff. So God is not schizophrenic. So that manipulation, you know, it's it's real. It is like a thing. You deceive people and you think people don't know. And so again, I could have exposed her for what I knew of her personally and what the spirit was showing me. But why would I do that mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to bring mm-hmm. her down and hurt the people? So you pray that the you pray that the 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 blinders are lifted off the people, and that was one of the scriptures that I was looking for, and I was like, God, I read it before. I can't find it. I don't know which Bible, which version I read it in, but I could not find it. But I did find this. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God mm-hmm. comes upon the sons of disobedience. Ephesians five six. People play with that. You know, they will have to give an account for that. And then, like I said, you could expose the person, but God said, let the wheat and the tear grow together. So we will, we're not going to be just a full church or a full group of people without a descent in there. It's going to be a descent in there. Somebody is going to be a descent. Some group is going to be a descent. Mm-hmm. It's how you handle that group of descent, of dissenters. How you handle that. You know, in school, it tells you when you're doing administration, because my master's is master's in education, administration, and supervision. When I went through my master's, when I went through the administration course, they tell you, you're not going to have everybody at your job that like you. And as a leader, you still have to lead the group of people that like you and support your vision and the group of people that work there that will not leave. For right. They don't support your vision at all, but they're not leaving. They're not leaving for whatever reason. They stick they claim they're not going to leave. There was this lady at this, this this black school, all black school. She's white, and she loved to play the reverse race card. Loved it because if she go to those white schools and be and be her lazy behind self that she does at this black school, she will be fired long time ago. So she positions herself. This white lady positions herself at all of these title one low funding low you know, school so she can be lazy, come to work, walk around and, and collect a check and not do her job. And the moment you tell her to do mm. her job, she runs and cry reverse racism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she ran up on the right one. <clears throat> Me. Me. That didn't mind telling her in front of the bosses that, listen, she's lazy, she's playing this role, and y'all are letting her do that. Because at the end of the day, 
This is her job. If you Indeed. if I hire you to sweep the floor, baby, this floor, you better be the best floor sweep around here. So she wouldn't play with me. So when I would come down and you know use her services, oh baby, she did her job when it came to me because she knew I would go in there with her. You just a grown woman tattletelling. You got grandkids. Come on now. If you, you know, go be it in white schools, but you mm-hmm. can't do what you can do. You can't be lazy over there. They're gonna make you do your job. So people will deceive you. They will manipulate you in any type of way in order for them to get whatever mm-hmm. they want to get you. And so that's when the change comes in. That's when you allow people to change you when you allow them to manipulate you to the point where now you're changing from just like that prophet did. God told you not to go back, not to eat, not to drink and, and go the other way. But you went back and you did. Mm-hmm. You let this prophet throw that, like you say, that God card down. Right. Because and now you don't change your whole course. People who now throw that God card down, they're just like David. Now, this is going to be controversial, what I'm about to say. So, inbox me, okay, if you got an issue with it. Okay. Now, still play you in the inbox, uh, Shonda Curb, uh, scurb001 at gmail.com. And so, um, when David um, took advantage or otherwise um, raped Bathsheba, uh, the abuse of power there was him being the king. See, back in those days, women did not have the ability to, number one, to say no. Like, it didn't go down like that. As a woman, you just didn't say no. That was just how it went. That was number one. Number two, he was the king. And so, I don't know if you know anything about kingdoms or kingship or anything like that, but you don't tell the king no. If the king wants something, you either give it to him or he takes it. Now, when he takes it, he may leave you alive if he decides to, but he can definitely have you killed because he's the king and that's his kingdom. So when you read the story of David and Bathsheba, Bathsheba's out there bathing on top of the roof. Now, a lot of people will say, well, why is she bathing on top of the roof? Everybody could see her because the men were supposed to be at war. She thought she was in a secluded area. She thought he was by herself. David wasn't supposed to be home. However, he was doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. He was at the house. He was supposed to be at war with his men. So he goes out and he sees her and he asks who she is. And then he goes and sends other men to go and get her and bring her to him. The Bible never records what Bathsheba says or even if she even knew why David wanted her to come see him. But all it says after that is that he lay with her. And then the next thing that we hear from Bathsheba is her telling David that she's pregnant. Now, people will look at that and they will hold Bathsheba complicit in what it is that has happened. But if you read what happens following this, you will know that not only does um, God not hold Bathsheba complicit, but neither did David. So after David lays with Bathsheba and he gets her pregnant, David commences to have her husband killed because she's a married woman, right? So he goes to have her husband killed so that he can cover up the evidence of what it is that he's done. Mm -hmm. So after he's dead he goes and sends for Bathsheba again and brings her to the castle for her to live as his wife after the baby is born the baby falls sick and so David is fasting and praying and crying out unto the Lord now the prophet comes to speak I think it's Nathan comes to speak to David and tells David a parable basically about um, a ruler who uh, finds a young man who's a good steward over all that he has. And he has this young lamb that's unblemished and untouched. And he has so many other things. And the king could have anything it is that he wants, but he takes this one little precious lamb from this this guy who's such a good steward over everything. And he takes this um, lamb right away from this guy. And as David is hearing the story, he's outraged. Like, he's like, no, this is wrong. Find him. Let's bring this man to justice. And then the prophet says, no, the ruler is you, bruh. 
Like you're the one that took this unblemished lamb. You're the one that stole from this good steward. And so David, with a contrite heart, uh, repents immediately. He agrees with what the prophet has told him concerning uh, what he has done. And, and he goes and, and his son ne never recovers. God goes ahead and takes the son. So David ends his fast and goes on about his business. But the bottom line is that God didn't hold Bathsheba complicit. David said, I have sinned against you, God. I have wronged you in this thing that I have done. He never says we. He never says her. He says I something I did. And the story that came from the Lord, from the prophet, stated that the lamb was without blemish and that the ruler took her, took the lamb from the owner. And so then in Bathsheba being the lamb in that story, being unblemished and pure, um, it doesn't seem as if God holds Bathsheba complicit in that as well. Now, I'm not saying that she was or she wasn't because the Bible never records either way. However, David knew exactly what he had done in abusing his power and authority as the king. He knew that he was wrong and what it was that he had done. So those who are in positions of authority over others and authority doesn't have to mean king and subject or pastor and um, congregation. It could be, it could be mom and daughter. If you, if you look at what happened huh. to John the Baptist, we see another type of situation. John the Baptist's mm -hmm. head was served up on a silver platter because his mother manipulated into asking for his head on a platter. An abuse of power all the way. So we who are in positions of authority over others, and this could be big brother and little sister. When you're in a position of authority, you have a responsibility mm. thrust upon you. Number one, because you know better. Number one, because you know better. And so then we can't go around giving people passes because of those titles of authority. They're still required to do what it is that God asked for them to do. And so sometimes we as people who, when there's a power differential and those uh, we, we deem as higher in authority or higher in power over us, we will allow them certain passes. And we can't do that. We're supposed to hold each other accountable to the word. And when you do it in love, you don't. the only hurt feelings you will see are from people who don't want to hear the word. And so then shake the dust off your feet and keep it pushing. But that doesn't mean that don't tell the word. Well, what about those people that will say, well, in the story that we, we referenced was the, 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 the birthmark, sure. um, the beauty mark or the birthmark, birthmark. They, sure. he's a husband. Back in those days, husbands did have position of authority over women. But nowadays, there's no position of authority you know, we, we equal, it's 50-50 or what, whatever the division of the 100% in your house is split, it is what it is, but there's no, you know, because when people talk Agreed. about submission, especially with women, they get, they think submission is a cuss word. So what about those people, so what about those people that think, well, there's no position of authority in my relationship with my friend or with my husband, Yeah, it's still but abuse the abuse of power. of power is still the same. Power over is the other not? person. Because you you've given that person because you mm -hmm. set up at the altar let's just talk about the, the one main one which is the the husband and wife ship mm -hmm. when you sit at the altar and you forsake all others for this particular person mm -hmm. correct you're saying we're gonna i'm gonna give an account yes. to you and you're gonna give an account to me so there's a certain power that comes with that there's a certain power that comes with me giving my, my giving my account to you and you give your account to me so i abuse that power when you know Mm -hmm. When I use your love or love as a weapon 
to for me to get yes a like yes. the lion's share of the one hundred percent in the relationship. You know, you you know, I when I was married, I did things because I wanted to do it, not because I he made me do it. Correct. You know, he's my king of my castle. That's how I want you to feel. So that's how I'm going to treat you. So it wasn't. So it wasn't. Oh, he was getting the lion's share of the the treatment. Is that's what I wanted to do. But when it comes down to when I married you and you never told me you want to be serving you, you want me to call you master and you or these these particular requirements. Now, now we're getting into the abuse of power, because had you sat down and rightfully said, you know, when I get married, I want mm-hmm. my wife to do this, because to be honest, most people send out their representative on these dates. And slowly but surely they pull back the representative and you begin to see the real person. But if you got a keen eye and if and that keen eye is the Holy Spirit within you, God will show you bits and pieces of cracks in their representative or where it is not. Because we don't like always we, we want it us. so bad. Even when you're not paying attention me, you to know, your he so representative, he has, everybody sees he, 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 the red flags. And if you ask them later on, they'll tell you, I mm-hmm. saw it. I just thought it would be different. Oh, I just thought it oh, yeah. would change. Or I just thought that if I did this right or loved him or gave I, this to her or gave that to her, people always say, well, I saw it, but I assumed if I if I could, when it's up to that other person to decide that they want to be different. You don't, you can't change somebody. One thing, you can't. People I think it. Society, they do uh, think it. And you know what? I've heard of this. And so anybody that's who's saying who up here that's talking about thought. them, I've never said that. I, I don't. I, I can't. I can't claim that to be true because I've heard people say it when they didn't think nobody else was listening. Shoot, girl, all this I got. If he get a taste, this he'd never be the same. I, you, we've heard it. We've heard women say this before. So. For you to sit there and act like it's impossible for you to think that, like like some sisters be thinking, mm-hmm. come on now, sis, come on, come on, come on, come on, and you ain't the first one that thought they had platinum up in their underwear, and and even if you do, girl, even if you do, you coming with the come on. The bottom line is that girl. coming with the come on will only subdue whatever that uh, foolishness is. Because as soon as you're not available to come on with the come on, they're going to go back to who they were. Or you're going to have to keep doing the come on with the come on. Anybody got time to be coming on with the come on. And that as much as it would take to satisfy in the flesh of another person. There's just no way because the flesh is never satisfied. Right. The more right. That is correct. Oh, because it won't more. You the more you give, the more it wants. It is never satisfied. In in Jeremiah 17, God is speaking through Jeremiah to the Judah, to the children to Judah about their sins. And he says, you know, he searched their hearts and he knows the evil intentions mm-hmm. of their hearts. But over there in 17 and 9, he said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now he knows it, but he's asking them. How do y'all know that your hearts are wicked and deceive it? Because you guys not you guys are looking at what you want. Just like you said, the flesh, whenever you give the flesh something it want, it continues to want it. But I know your heart and I know your evil intentions. So therefore he began pronouncing different, 
you know, things that he was going to send them away to people they did. They was going to have to serve people they didn't always. know. That, you know, children of Israel always well, carried away into captivity do it. because of their sin. You would think they would learn a lesson. You think they would learn a lesson, but they didn't. They, they didn't. But the point I'm trying to make is here, the intent behind everything you do, we might not unravel it or see it somebody close to you might not unravel it or see it but God sees it he knows the intent of your heart he knows if you really really love someone that you would you would show that real selfless love first instead of trying to make that person think that they have to sacrifice mm-hmm. for you you would sacrifice for them because mm-hmm. Jesus said he didn't come here to serve he didn't come here to be served. He came here to serve. And so when he was washing their feet, they were like, you ain't supposed to be washing our feet, Lord. He said, no, 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 I'm supposed to wash your feet. You know, in order for you to do this, you have to be the servant. And so when I look at these different people, and I'm not saying this, this it could be an abuse of power situation, but I'm not in these people's lives. These different pastors and stuff, and you see them, they got that is an abusive power. People, one for the Bible, one like, you for don't the have shoes, to say it. I'm going to say it. One for the head, like that's just <laughs> what. Which disciple of Jesus is, did you see carrying anything of his <laughs> anywhere? <laughs> he's worthy of it. He's worthy. Well, yes, he's man, worthy. Of of honor. That's what you know. We talked about this, before. and the Bible stops right there. I'm just, I'm just saying, I, the intent behind it, because I just, you can't carry your own Bible, that you, you can't carry your own code. Pride. I mean, you, you're that just that. Pride. The word is so heavy. That, you, that, that you right there says, I'm so, I'm so important that somebody else needs to carry my things for me, so that I can carry the word. It ain't even your word, bruh. Hmm. Mm. They, it ain't even your word, bro. Mm, they boo, they boo. Mm. Listen. No, I'm I'm saying it. I, I told you, I and just, I already gave like them I my said, email, I, so I they get hit it me out there. I don't know if it is. She said she 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 said it. <laughs> I'm saying it. Uh, it it seems to me. It appears to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, and and be in in, in audience. I, listen, listen. I of the two of us, I am the fighter. I will go ham. It, it is not that I'm trying not to offend mm-hmm. anybody here. It's true. I'm learning a better way to fight. I'm I'm learning not to pick fights. If the fight come to me, mm-hmm. you better bring your whole arsenal. Cause I'm locked okay. and ready to go. What they used to say, t- tell us in the military, lock, clock, and ready but to But see, rock. that's what she learning right now, y'all. I ain't learning. That I got right what now. it tell you with several. And in the so clip. then the Bible says you're supposed to stray from every appearance of evil. And so then, <laughs> if that's not the case, then it's not my fault that they didn't stray from that appearance. Hey, so as evidence, we all have our role to play here. I'm just playing my role. Mm-hmm. Where I'm, where the I'm righteous judgment life. that I have made so. concerning that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not, I'm letting not, the people know. Not, told, I'm letting the people know how I, I told them my agree. All I'm saying is, I'm just gonna put it out there. I'm gonna let, yeah. 
And all I'm doing is just gonna put it on the table and let and let you pick up whatever weapon you want to pick up. Pick your poison. I'm just gonna put the information on the table, just like I do to my kids. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put before you life and death. I'm gonna tell you, listen, there it is, right there. You choose. You make the decision for yourself. And that's where I'm at. Like I said, I'm just letting people make their own yeah. conclusions. Hey, but it's out there. So the last person that I want to hit is Nehemiah. The last person I want to hit is Nehemiah and building that wall and how Mm -hmm. those men came to try to get him from doing what he needed to do and doing what he's supposed to be doing. Going back to the story of the birthmark, this lady had this birthmark. She was born with it. God had given it to her. This man did not. He, she was perfect for him in every way, but this birthmark, he just something about this birthmark. He could not stand. She allowed him to change her to the point of death. So Nehemiah is on this wall. Help me, Holy Ghost. Nehemiah is on this wall. He's been commissioned by God. He had this pressing in his spirit. The king gave him the letters, gave him the material to go build, rebuild the wall. And now you have these people who are trying to get him to come off this wall and to Mm -hmm. meet with them. Their intent was to kill him and to stop the work and the progress of God. These people that are not loving you with love and that are using it with a weapon, they are trying to stop your mission and whatever you're supposed to do for God. However it looks, however this abuse looks, however this manipulation and this deception looks, it's all to get you from being or doing all that you are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. That's what this is. So don't come off the wall. Stand on what it is, whatever it is that God has given you, told you to do, or or blessed you with. You have to stand in assurance and like not be like the old prophet and the young prophet and let somebody else who say, "Oh, I've been there before you. You don't want to go there." I had somebody do that for me as a teacher. I should have been a teacher a long time ago. Like I've been in this, been in and around this thing about 17 years, but I should be going on a good 25, 30. But I mm. let someone who was a teacher tell me not to be a teacher because they hated the profession. But yet they went on to get their doctorates and all of that. They hated it so much. They hated being a teacher so much. I said, well, why are you a teacher if you hate it so much? Couldn't answer the question. But they made me miss the mark of being a teacher for so many years. So I continued down the path of accounting, which I was good at numbers, always been good at numbers. So I continued down that path and was supposed to be a teacher. You got to know if God told you that thing, everybody else's opinion don't even matter. But again, I told you my story in this. I was into pleasing people to the to a fault. No, sis, you done laid out for the people good people. today. Any last words, my sister? You was in your bag on this one, baby. You in there. <laughs> I was in my bag on this one. It was in my bag. But like I say, that to walk mm-hmm. away, we'll now we'll do, we'll go a little bit deeper about leaving those unhealthy bonds because trust me, the story didn't end there with my mom and I when she said I wasn't her child. At that point, no, don't get in no there. We come, we come sometimes back. you gotta walk away, but we're not gonna get into that. We 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 over an hour. We 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 coming back, we over an hour. So let's go before the father, our father who are in heaven. Hollow would be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. From yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. All right, sis, let them know where they can find us at on those social media platforms. Absolutely. They can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook, all by the same name, Still Clay Podcast. All right, folks, remember, just as we are two vessels of clay still being molded by God, so are you. And until next time, walk in love.